0: Well, the pressure's off John, because he's not teaching this class anymore. I've got the next couple of weeks. But that's okay. I won't let it stress me too much. Do this. I want you to stop and think for a minute. You're in the last hours of your life. You're in your deathbed. And you were surrounded by your kids, if you have kids. You're surrounded by your grandkids, if you have grandkids, for some of the older people in here. But um, that's it. Uh, Tomorrow you'll be gone, and you know that. You can communicate with them. What do you do? What do you say? And the class began to respond individually to that that question. What What is it that you do? Do something good with your life. You'll have to speak loud. Do something good with your life. Do something good
1: with your life? Just keep doing something. Do something. Oh, this is
0: something you tell them. Yeah, you tell them. Do, do something good. Serve okay. others. Do something you good. Serve others. Other thoughts? I, yeah, John. I would say that I'm going to see the Lord and I... I pray for all of you here that someday when your time comes you will go to see the Lord too. Okay, so you you might pray for them while you're there. Okay. Other thoughts? Be at I, peace. Pardon me? I just said be at peace. Okay, be at peace. I would say I love you and thank you. Love you and thank you. All right. Any other thoughts? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Those are all, I think, legitimate things. Um, um, today we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus in the garden. I think this week is Jesus, and we're, we're studying Matthew here, and we're going to wrap up with Jesus in the garden. And next week will be the crucifixion and the week after that will be the resurrection. But today will be Jesus in the garden, and um, in Jesus' last hours there, he, he had some last words for his followers. Jesus knew this was the last time he'd be with them, and he had some, some words with his followers, and he spent time, oddly enough, in prayer. Um, what I'd like to do is read that, it's from John 17, verse 6 through 19, and it <clears throat> it's from a paraphrase edition of the Bible called The Voice. But as I, I read it, listen to it, because it, it's, it sounds to me like words that, uh, that a parent might use for his children, words you might see a parent use for his children. <coughs> Just listen while I read it Uh, John 17 you have entrusted me with these men who have come out of this corrupt world order I have told them about your nature and declared your name to them and they have held on to your words and understood that these words like everything else you have given me come from you. It is true that these men you gave me have received the words that came from you and not only understood them, but also believed that you sent me. I am now making an appeal to you on their behalf. This request is not for the entire world. It is for those whom you have given to me because they are yours, yours and mine, mine and yours, for all that are mine are yours. Through them I have been glorified. I will no longer be physically present in this world, but they will remain in this world. As I return to be with you, Holy Father, remain with them through your name, the name you have given me. May they be one as we are one. While I was physically present with them, I protected them through your name. I watched over them closely and only lost one, the one the Scripture said was the son of destruction. Now I am returning to you. I am speaking this prayer here in the created cosmos alongside friends and foes so that in hearing it they might be consumed with joy. I have given them your word and the world has despised them because they are not products of the world. In the same way that I'm not a product of the corrupt world. Do not take them out of this world. Protect them from the evil one. Like me, they are not products of the corrupt world order. Immerse them in truth, the truth your voice speaks. In the same way you sent me into this world I am sending them, it is entirely for their benefit that I have set myself apart so that they may be set apart by truth. (coughs) Uh, It it almost reads to me like a parent uh, talking uh, to his children. And Jesus said here that they're hearing what I'm saying and I'm doing that. For their encouragement, for their joy. Uh, it's interesting. Jesus prayed that prayer for his disciples, but his his final words were reserved for somebody else. Um, they were reserved for the people in this class, John and uh, Aslan. Uh, um, they were reserved for for you. Uh, I'm not asking solely for their benefit. This prayer is also for all the believers who will follow them and hear them speak. Father, may they all be one as you are in me and I am in you. May you, may they be in us, for by this unity the world will believe that you sent me. All the glory you have given me I pass on to them. May that glory unify them and make them one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be refined, so that all will know that you sent me and you love them in the same way you love me. <laughs> so, actually, it's interesting. Jesus' final passion in that prayer wasn't just for his disciples, it was for you. That was Jesus' final passion. Um, the word passion, what does that mean? What does that mean? You all have been going through your whole life not knowing what passion means? I don't know (laughs) a dictionary definition, but to me it evokes a lot of emotion. Okay, a lot of emotion, what kind of emotion? Uh, Hate, anger? No, no, it would be a tender emotion. Okay, an emotional, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't look it up in the dictionary either. yeah i I think it's a lot of things it's it's emotional love I think it's emotional suffering uh, you all have felt both of those in your life um, when we speak of love lo- love is love is actually hard to define and I think it's hard to define because of the way we use it um, you know we use it in so many ways uh, i uh, I love my friends um, I love the Titans, um, I love my wife, I love, uh, here's one you won't relate, relate to Ruslan, I, I love baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, Chevrolet. yeah, see I uh, remember the commercial, uh, they, was, they sang it, it was a jingle, but uh, see I, I love all those things, we, we use the word pretty interchangeably in a lot of ways. I've read that there there are four different steps to falling in in love. Um, taught a whole quarter class on this, but see if I can <coughs> narrow it down a little bit. Um, um, steps to falling in love. First first of all, you uh, you find a mutual attraction to each other. Um, I'm attracted to you, and you're attracted to me. Uh, it's it's a sensual type of a thing. It it comes through. One of the five senses, either uh, something about the way they look that attracts you. Uh, it's maybe I know I know one longtime married couple, it, it came out of something that they said or teaching a class. That was the first thing that attracted him to them. It wasn't me and Angie. Uh, maybe a fragrance, a smell, a fragrance that that person was wearing or those people were wearing and that they were attracted to it. Uh, it needs to be mutual, though falling in love. There, there's the first step and that's mutual attraction. Uh, after that comes a mutual acceptance of each other. I accept you for who you are. You accept me for who I am. Um, we let the other person see a little bit behind the mask we all wear. Okay? And I'm, I'm convinced we all wear one. Uh, there's some people who kind of know me because we're acquaintances, there are people who uh, know me a lot better, my wife, my kids, there are probably people who knew me better than that, Uh, my parents, I remember my dad telling me once, I know you better than you know you, Uh, and that's probably in some ways true, (coughs) in some ways I was just discovering it, in some ways I, I would find out later. But uh, there's a mutual attraction. I accept you for who you are, and you accept me for who I am. A third step in falling in love is, is, is mutual fulfillment. Um, I think this is something uh, put in us by God. We, we all want to be needed and need another person. Uh, at this stage, it's I give you what you need, and you give me what I need. We fulfill each, each other's needs, okay? That's another step. Um, And then the final step leads to uh, commitment. Um, I want to be the sole person that fulfills you. You want me to be the sole person that fulfills me. Uh, You fulfill my needs. Uh, I fulfill your needs. Those are four steps that I read about uh, when, when it talks about falling in love. And I believe all of those steps have an application in our relationship with Jesus. Um, with Jesus, there was there was, uh, you know, you're you're here today. Something about Jesus attracted you to him. Um, at some point, you accepted him for who you understood him to be. For whatever mask there was, for what we read in script, if there was one, what we read in scriptures. You accept that in a very real way he's fulfilling a need in your life Um, and there is a level of commitment or you would be here today full commitment uh, you can answer that I can't Uh, I believe as I said I I believe all these steps have an application to our relationship for Jesus the the class I have that's a quarter long is falling in love with Jesus Um, but um, I think those all have application and it's interesting as I as I look at the uh, well okay that that's our side of it what what's God's side of it Um, does he is he attracted to you Uh, does he accept you for who you are are you fulfilling some need of his is he committed to you? I, I, I believe those steps are summed up in Romans, Romans 5 verse 8. Um, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What we're seeing there, I think, is, is a tremendous level of commitment, a strong commitment on that fourth step. Uh, I think the other three steps were involved too. Um, does God accept me for who I am? Well. While we were still sinners, uh, God did that. God sent his son. Uh, <clears throat> uh, your mask, uh, I, I suspect God sees right through that. Um, what does God know about you? What does God know about your attitudes? What does God know about your uh, your desires? Uh, the things that we tend to try to hide from the world because... Uh, well, not everybody thinks like me, do they? Uh, not everybody has the same weird thoughts that I do sometimes. Um, and the answer is, yeah, they probably do. And so those are the kind of things we, we know are wrong. We try to discipline ourselves to put them out of our life. Uh, God already knew that about you. He already knows that about you. But while you were still that way, uh, he sent his son Christ to die. Well, Jesus feeling for his disciples in the garden, I think, incorporates all those steps. But are the disciples there yet? Are they at that level of have they been attracted to him? Yeah. Have they accepted him? Apparently, is he fulfilling some of their? Yeah, apparently, is there that level of commitment? Okay, um, it, it seems to me that there's there's a step missing on their part, and let's let's read let's read from. Matthew.